0: To learn more about CODE, visit CodeHealth.com, that's K-O-D-E-Health.com, or email CODE directly at Partnerships at CodeHealth.com. The Path to Better Communication Among Healthcare Staff and Leaders, today on HFMA's Voices in Healthcare Finance Podcast, sponsored by Red Dot. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Erica Grotto. Today we wrap up our three-episode series on the healthcare workforce. I'm getting over a cold and you can probably hear my voice is a little off, which is unfortunate, but maybe just the right thing for an episode about obstacles to communication. Today we're discussing issues honey and lemon tea can't solve and finding ways for staff and leaders to work toward common goals. Stu Schaff is founder and principal of Intentionate Healthcare Advisors. His work is very physician-focused, so although there is some overlap with other types of work in healthcare, his comments are about physician work specifically. And there's actually one pretty stark difference between physicians and other types of healthcare workers, the expectations put forward by their employers.
1: This is a problem that goes both ways when you're talking about physicians and the employers of physicians, and it really starts all the way back at recruitment. What I mean is that the employer is generally not saying, here's what you need to do in your job. Like we, average non-physician folks, would have a job description, we'd have SOPs, standard operating procedures, other things like that. We don't do that really for physicians in the same way. We do instead, as we say, you're a doctor, you know how to doctor. I'm not going to tell you how to doctor, right? And physicians, for their part, are not really saying, this is what I expect out of my job. This is what I need out of my job. A lot of them have medical debt or other things that they're worried about coming into a new position. And they're so worried that they're going to lose the opportunity, they're afraid of speaking up. I've heard this from multiple physicians. So what we have is a situation where each of the parties is speaking different languages in their own heads.
0: Another issue Schaaf says is difficult to untangle is compensation. He says physician compensation can be hard to understand, even for physicians.
1: There isn't really education around the, the topics around business and finance for physicians in medical school or in training. And another thing is that as an industry, we've found that the easiest way to address a problem is to try and build a better mousetrap. In this case and I'm doing air quotes, better compensation formula. But the reality is we're missing out on the more challenging, but more meaningful ways to address an issue, which are typically going to not be about handing more money to that physician. It's going to be about adding better infrastructure, adding another MA to that clinic, finding more space for them to see patients working with them to overcome whatever challenges that they're facing, that's more challenging. And so what we've done instead is said, okay, well, I have this particular issue, how can I bolt something onto the compensation model to maybe address this particular issue? And all of these bolt-ons kind of stack up, there's all these unintended consequences, and you have a situation, ultimately, for a lot of organizations, where you have a complicated model Most of the physicians, if you sat down and asked them, how do you get paid, couldn't give you a real, straight, correct answer about that. And the ones maybe who could, there are very few. You just have a lot of confusion and a lot of dissatisfaction from that.
0: Todd Nelson, HFMA's chief partnership officer, who we heard from in the first two parts of this series, agrees. He says understanding job duties, compensation, and how what a person does fits into the organization is all critical
2: having clarity of role and purpose and the duties that you need to perform your job successfully is you know i i can't underestimate the importance of that so whether you're a physician or a nurse or a accountant or a biller in revenue cycle understanding your piece of the overall puzzle and how you fit in there is important what are the duties that you need to perform to be successful. And then when you perform them successfully, is there a reward for doing that? And if so, what is the clearly articulated reward for that? And I don't know that many people understand the entire picture of that. They might understand, you know, the job duties and the job description. So they get that piece, but they don't know necessarily how are they going to be compensated by doing those specific things. Or they may know very clearly what they get compensated for, but that might not align exactly with the duties they've been asked to do. And so I think that clarity of purpose and how it ties to compensation and how it fits in the bigger picture of the organization and what is needed is very important.
0: Vicki Abelson is an executive coach with the Defined Leader and was previously a revenue cycle leader in physician groups. She says departmental goals and how they fit in with the goals of the
3: organization is another area that can be murky, especially in revenue cycle. The organization might have, you know, one set of goals, but the revenue cycle organizations oftentimes have different sets of goals. And revenue cycle employees don't often know what it is that they're working towards. And it can be really hard to show up every day and work really, really hard if you don't know what your why is, if you don't know what the organization is moving towards non-clinical employees it's really really important for them to know are we working towards a specific budget number are we working towards a specific number of cases coded whatever it is they need to understand what they're working towards and and why just like anybody else
0: shaft said untangling duties and compensation have to begin in the recruitment stage
1: I heard a recruitment expert talk about this in a way recently that I think is really helpful to keep in mind. So there are primarily four things that are going to draw a a physician to a particular practice, whether it's a hospital practice, an independent practice, or whatever. There's the, the quality of the practice. There is the quality of life that that physician's going to have while they're working in that job. There's where the practice is located. And there's how the financial aspects, the compensation, and you can't change where, where you are. You can't change your geography. You can't change what life is going to be like living there, right? That's just bigger than any practice manager or hospital CEO even is, is going to be able to take on, unfortunately. The ones you really can control is the quality of the practice and and the financial aspects of it. So it's, what it's going to be like to work there and what they're going to get out of it, right? So what it's going to be like to work there is those things I was talking about earlier. It's the level of the support that they're going to get from other staff. It's the IT systems that they're going to have to work with and how much those are a roadblock, roadblock versus a helpful tool. There's things around throughput, whether it's exam rooms or ORs or tests, relationships with other providers, how, how that's facilitated, reducing administrative burden, and so on.
0: As for physician compensation, shaft said there are three words to keep in mind, clear, competitive, and fair.
1: I didn't say sophisticated, I didn't say complicated, and I didn't say like absolutely highest paid in the market, right? That's not always the most important thing to folks. It's really, again, that pay is clear, that it's competitive, and then it's fair.
0: Again, Schaaf was talking about physicians specifically, but according to Abelson, all of that can apply to other areas of healthcare.
3: When I talk to people in lots of different industries, oftentimes money is the last factor that they consider when evaluating jobs. They're considering things like, work-life balance, advancement opportunity, education, PTO, other kinds of benefits. And so I really like to challenge employers to think about what are some of those other things? Is there an opportunity to be flexible with employees in terms of where and when they work? Are there opportunities to provide them extra training, whether it is in hard skills systems, coding processes, or perhaps soft skills in leadership, in resilience, in communication, in change management. That's a, that's a really big one recently as well. Are there ways to provide maybe advancement opportunities or special projects? Are there ways to offer more PTO or other kinds of incentives that will allow people to feel valued, heard, understood, We'll talk about how to make
0: people feel valued, heard, and understood in a minute after a brief sponsor break. Let's take a minute now to get a word from our sponsor. Welcome back, Michael Booman, CEO of Red Dot. Thank you, Erica. We've been talking a lot about workforce efficiency and job satisfaction, but I know what the leaders are going to be asking about working with Red Dot, and they're going to ask, what does that mean for my bottom line?
4: You know, Erica, you're right. That's that's one of the key components to our platform. And so the answer we provide is day one, the first acquisition that we do is to clean up two and a half years of these aged accounts. And remember, they take years to resolve. So every hospital has significant amount of revenue locked into these really old accounts. So we come in, we clean up the first two and a half years, and then as we move forward into forward flow, dealing with new accounts daily, what I like to tell CFOs is this, you're gonna see the largest amount of bottom line revenue working with Red Dot in your first year, because during that first year, we're actually resolving about three years worth of accounts.
0: And as we talked about in a previous segment, what you're doing is taking these very complex claims away from the, the RevCycle staff, giving them an opportunity to work other claims, making them more efficient. So what does that do to the bottom line?
4: Well, naturally it's going to improve it. Not only are they receiving a bolus of cash from us in the acquisition, but then they're able to focus more efforts on their higher margin accounts. So it's really a, a double win. One, you've got immediate cash from us. And then two, you're improving your overall collections because they're not spending all the time necessary to resolve the complex motor vehicle accident claims. So they become more efficient with the time they're spending and that results in higher account resolutions, which then of course flows directly down to bottom line revenue.
0: Thank you for joining me um, once again, Michael.
4: It's always a pleasure, Erica. I really appreciate your time.
0: Red Dot is the best technology-enabled acquisition solution for hospital self-pay motor vehicle accident accounts. Hospitals can now leverage Red Dot's solution to improve their bottom line revenue while dramatically improving their patient relationships by avoiding debt collection activities. Red Dot, good for hospitals, good for patients. To learn more, visit reddotmgmt.com. Thrive Vice President Jonathan Wick mentioned in the first episode of this series that stay interviews are important in addressing staff retention. With physicians in particular, Schaaf recommends those stay interviews start right away.
1: The best thing that you can do is ask them what will help them. Ask them regularly. Show them that they're being heard, right? You're not making promises. You're not saying we're going to do exactly what you tell us to do, but you're listening to them. You're showing them that they're being heard. And you're continually having this dialogue. An open and honest dialogue, although it's challenging for a lot of people, ends up creating a better work environment that physicians are going to want to be in. And it needs to start again at the very beginning. Within say 30 days of a physician starting, they should have a stay interview. You should be a structured way of, of continually checking in with them and making the time and space to sit down together. And talk about what's going well and maybe what needs to be improved. That's the best way to find out what they need. It's the most direct.
0: Workload balance can be another important piece of the puzzle. And Abelson said good leaders will be looking for
3: imbalances and ways to correct them. It's so easy for our top employees to get, you know, all of the work (laughs) and for our employees that are struggling maybe to not get as much work. And so it's really easy in a group of people to have some people that are not working quite as much, and while another person is completely, completely drowning, and to think about how do we better balance the work within our teams, within our organizations. Revenue cycle shops tend to be incredibly siloed. And so, you know, if you're a surgical coder, if you're a surgical pre person, you're only going to do this one thing. And it's going to be really hard for you to go do oncology or to do primary care whatever it is. So how can we think about cross-training? How can we think about workload balance in such a way that allows everybody to be able to learn something new and also carry the weight?
0: Another thing to remember is that nothing we're discussing happens in a vacuum. Leaders, too, are experiencing stress and burnout. Trying to balance a growing workload with a shrinking staff can be difficult. So finding time for real conversations can be a big challenge. But the alternative isn't always the best path, according to Schaff.
1: It's not easy to have an open conversation with someone when you're not used to doing it. What I've found in talking with hundreds of hospital administrators and medical group administrators and hundreds of physicians in the last several years is that everybody has the things that they're worried about and those weigh on them, whether it's in The work that they're doing from a day-to-day basis, the things that are happening outside of work with their families or their friends or whatever it may be, everybody has a lot on their shoulders. And they're trying to do the best work that they possibly can with the resources they have in the time that they have available. And that's a lot for anybody to take on. Now, add on the complexity of the healthcare industry in general. It just creates a situation where it becomes extremely difficult to imagine reaching deeper, finding more time and more space for these important conversations. And as a result of that, we just go for what's easy or what feels easy, right? And that's the thing like, okay, well, let's give another bonus for doing X, right? Let's give a retention check. Of you know, X dollars, instead of going in and solving the underlying problem, I think that's why it's just human nature to look for the path of least resistance, even if that path isn't going to drive the most meaningful long-term change. And there, look, there's nothing wrong with a quick win, but you can't stop there
0: for Abelson. it kind of comes down to the old adage about eating an elephant one bite at a time.
3: It becomes incumbent upon our leaders to really understand sort of the domino that needs to fall first in order for their employees to feel supported, in order for their employees to feel like they're understood and they're appreciated. And so if it's unclear expectations, what can we do today to help them clear up their expectations, help them clear understand where it is they're going for? So the first thing I would recommend is to understand what is your team members overall? Obviously, every might, everybody might have slightly different things, but overall, what is their primary driver? What is the thing that makes them the most frustrated on Monday morning when they wake up in order to go to work? And start chipping away at that answer. The other thing too is, I mean, we put a lot of focus on the leader to solve the problem, but I would really encourage for us to think about this as a co-creation. So the leader the the team members, the employees, and the organizational leadership to come together and come up with a solution together. None of us is perfect. None of us is going to have like the one perfect idea that's going to solve all of the problems. But I can guarantee you that when sort of those three groups of people come together, they're going to be able to come up with a solution that's going to be better than what they have today. Stu Schaff recommends that leaders become more deliberate in their
0: communication strategies.
1: I have a challenge for every healthcare finance leader and every healthcare operations leader. And that's to carve some time, a half an hour, 45 minutes, maybe an hour if you can afford it out of every day and say, this is the time that I get out and I talk with my people. And I figure out what is going well, what could be improved, not making any particular promises, but I'm going to be accountable to them because I'm asking them to be accountable to me as well, right? And I would be willing to bet that organizations that take me up on that challenge will find that their short-term wins when something's pointed out to them that somebody was too afraid to say for one reason or another, or they didn't feel like it was appropriate, or they didn't think to because nobody asked. But they're also going to find opportunities for meaningful long-term change and yes, sometimes it involves an investment of money, and sometimes that can be significant. But I find that there is an ROI, and we're dealing with this at a time where the labor market is really just in a in a crazy place. I don't have a better way to, to put it than that. And I've been told by healthcare leaders that they don't know what to do. just don't know what other you know solutions that they have and the most valuable asset that you have is your time so why don't we use that asset to protect our organization's ability to recruit and retain great people which ultimately are really the lifeblood of our organizations
3: don't be afraid to be wrong right if you try one thing right if you try Perhaps it's sort of a daily huddle that tells people what their daily goals are. But people are like, I don't know, this is not really working for me. Then, you know, throw it out and try something new. But communicate proactively and say, this is what we're doing to try and solve this problem. If it's working, great, we're going to keep doing it. If it's not working, we're going to try something else and we're going to try doing something else. And at the same time, we need to stay accountable to what our organizational goals are, to what our deliverables are, so that we can keep moving in the right direction.
0: Voices in Healthcare Finance is a production of the Healthcare Financial Management Association and written and hosted by me, Erica Grotto. Audio editing is by Linda Chandler. Brad Dennison is Chief Content Executive. Our president and CEO is Joe Pfeiffer. Thanks to our sponsor, Red Dot. Learn more about them at reddotmgmt.com.